Cold Weather Bats, what's up? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about Great Lakes Bat Company. As you guys know, the show is sponsored by Great Lakes Bat Company, and you can buy a hat on their website at greatlakesbatco.com. Upon that, you can do tons of other things too. You got a team, organization, whatever it is, they got you covered. Whether it's uniforms, custom bats, custom fitting for bats, custom fungos, custom wood bats, trainers, you name it, they got it. GreatLakesBatCo.com. Welcome into season two of Cold Weather Bats. Um, I would imagine that we're going to have some dope audio clips backing that up, like, you know, the boys are back in town or whatever. We're open to anything James wants to do as far as production goes. But anyways, welcome back. We're excited to be back. Uh, I'm one half of your hosting duo. I'm Brian Sikowski. Uh, Brandon Justice is here as well. Say hi, Brandon. Hey, how you doing? Great. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it was. it's been a while. Uh, we're, we're happy to be back. Um, obviously we, we kind of took a little bit longer break than we'd had initially planned. Um, but Brandon and I are often overestimators of our time, uh, when it pertains to things. So like, you know, it was a nice idea to take the summer off, but then we got into September and like, we were just as busy and I was not home just as much. Uh, you know, and then we, we cooled our heels. I got off the road, uh, towards the, towards the beginning of November and, and have been able to. Uh, relax and chill since then and kind of uh, re-energize myself for baseball. Um, but we're back in it. We're, we're just going to keep the first show of the of season two light for the most part. We're just going to kind of talk about uh, what we've been doing for the last six months or so. Um, we're going to touch on, obviously, uh, talking about the players who stood out from Michigan that we both saw throughout the course of the, the summer and fall travel ball circuits. Uh, guys who made names for themselves, guys who continue to climb up. We'll, we'll touch on this We'll touch on some commitments. Um, we'll touch on some plans that we have for the show moving forward, just general thoughts on what we want to do. Uh, but mostly, we just kind of wanted to get back in the saddle here, um, get back into the re- recording vibe and, and uh, talking to each other once a week, texting about the show and getting excited to do it again. And we are really excited to be back. And now Brandon gets to talk. Yes. Yeah. To piggyback off of what you said, man, I just, you know, First and foremost, we were excited. I think that that's a completely fair assessment. We've been talking about it for months now. It was never in the it was never in the cards for this to not happen. Season two was always going to occur. It was just a matter of when, not a matter of if. And uh, our last show, the last time you heard us, we were in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta. I don't know where you were, uh, but I was in Atlanta uh, at a certain national championship, and we ended up you know, making a nice little run there and it was a lot of fun. And then I just forgot cold weather bats existed for a few, I guess, <laughs> but in, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, you know, what Brian said is completely true. We just kind of time got the best of us. We knew we wanted to take the summer off just because we weren't off at all in other regards. Um, you know, and now that things have calmed down for us each, it makes a lot of sense to, uh, to come back and do it. Now the big thing was, and the real motivator, we had been talking about it for, for weeks now, right. Um, back to, like you said, back in even September. Um, but we had the memory come up that we had had announced the show a year ago and we were like all right what better sign than that right so here we are now it's been about a year uh it's been about a year it's been about twelve thousand downloads it's been about uh 
a couple thousand followers between Instagram and Twitter combined. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this whole thing is really taken off and for the right reasons, you know, just because again, Michigan baseball deserves a light to be shined on it. And that's what we set out to do from the start. And I think that's what we've been lucky enough to do. Uh, and we look forward to forward to doing it again for another off season. And then of course the season itself. So without further ado, Brian, I guess before we dive into the Michigan baseball scene, uh, take us through your summer a little bit. I mean, you, you have a very uh, intriguing job to most baseball people. I would say nine out of 10 people that like baseball would be interested and curious as to what your day-to-day looks like. But uh, take us through your summer. I mean, you know, you're on the road a ton, um, but just walk us through what you went through this summer and some of the trips you had. Some of your, What was your favorite meal? Who was your favorite player you got to see? Just take us through it. Um, yeah, man. I, I just... I, I travel a lot for work watching baseball. Like I work for Perfect Game. Anybody who listens to the show knows what Perfect Game is and what we do, um, for the most part, I would imagine anyways. Yeah, it, it's the, the, the busy season goes in cycles. Uh, and the spring is my favorite time of year, uh, for the most part. Um, you know, we got high school baseball going on. Obviously, that's the whole point of the show, along with the fact that I'm passionate about the draft and the spring is where draft coverage kind of takes priority. I get to, you know, go see the high school guys I want to see. I get to go see college series. I want to see just, it's like, you know, pure scouting is kind of like the way I look at it. Like I'm just out there evaluating for the purpose of the draft stuff I'm passionate about. There's no, um, you know, like offsetting strings attached to the scouting I'm doing like there is at other times of the year. Um, and then, like, you know, it, it, once we get towards the summer and obviously travel baseball starts picking up in earnest, uh, and I understand that travel baseball is starts in January for nine-year-olds and, and that, but, like, I don't, as I've said many times on the show, my, my disdain for the evaluation of youth baseball knows no bounds. Um, but so I don't, I'm not involved with any of that. Uh, but anyways, it starts in earnest for high school-aged players, um, you know, in, in May. And then it's kind of, I'm kind of at a showcase every weekend in a different part of the country. And then everyone knows the big summer tournaments that go on between Hoover and, and Atlanta uh, at our stuff. And I'm down there for all of that. And uh, PG Nationals mixed in there somewhere. And then August is back to showcases. September is, uh, September and October are, are where, for the most part, I get to do exclusively stuff that I want to do, which is cool. Um, there's a lot of Juco coverage in there. Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm big on the Juco stuff. Uh, you know, cool PG stuff, you know, like we go to, uh, obviously Jupiter's the, the main thing in the fall. That's one of the coolest things ever. Um, maybe my favorite thing in amateur baseball is Jupiter. Um, and then now we're, you know, we're in the, the hibernation slash writing stage. Like I just spent six hours on the phone today working on a draft board, you know, you know it's that time of year, but yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I, Got to go to some cool places this year. I got to go to San Diego this year, which I hadn't been in, in several years. So that's probably, I would say, the highlight um, of my travels this this past year. But uh, I don't know. I had fantastic fish tacos on a pier like a mile out into the Pacific Ocean when I was out there. That was really cool. I'd have to stick with that. Uh, or the mofongo from... Um, Copacabana in Jupiter. If you go to Jupiter, go to Copacabana, get the Mofongo. You're welcome. Anyways, Brandon, that's enough about me. Tell us about the year from the travel ball coach's perspective. Well, uh, you know, 
not so similar to you. I traveled a lot, but I did not travel uh, as far and wide as you did. Um, we spent a couple weeks in Georgia uh, in two different weeks, and both weeks went very um, different from the other. The first week we were down there, it was no weather problems at all. It was uh, not even hot. I think the hottest day, you know, there was one day where it got upper 80s, but the other, every other day, was like 83, 84 clear. It was like perfect. It was like everything you could, you could hope for out of a week in Georgia, really. Cause you could already, you go down there nervous about two things, one extreme heat two extreme rain. Cause you're either getting one or the other typically when you're down there in July. Uh, in the first week we went down there, we were lucky enough to, to have nice weather throughout. It was only really hot one day and it was great. We had a great time and, and a nice run. And then the other week we went down there, it was a disaster from a weather perspective. It rained every day <laughs> in some form or fashion. It rained every day. Uh, and our last game, which was, uh, and this is out of the tournament's control, but our last game ended up being only our, I think our third or fourth out of the guaranteed five. And the team we were playing um, was 3-0 and we were... Two and no, they must have been four now, and we were three and one or two and two. Um, but since the inv- the way the way invites worked, had we played two more games as guaranteed, we still could have gotten into the bracket. But the way that it worked out was that the rule, given all the weather problems that there was, they were only allowing one team per bracket or, or something like that. So this team basically won our bracket already, and their game against us didn't matter. So they went out there and threw position players, and it's like you know you go down there because not only do you want exposure for your players and for coaches to your players and all that but at the same time you also want to play good teams and you want to have good games and win or lose you just want to play good baseball at the end of the day um and it stunk having to be in that kind of in that kind of scene um but there's nothing you can do those things happen and that's what you fear about traveling is that there's really you know nothing you can do and you, you can't expect the tournament director to pull something out of their tail just because you you took the risk of coming down from so far so um you know that was from a parent communication standpoint those are always difficult because you can't blame parents i mean they're going to be upset. They spent a ton of money to go down there. Um, and you know, but it all kind of falls on you. And that's the one part of travel baseball that the, the youngins, which is funny coming from me, but the youngins, when they first start getting into it, they don't know it. They think they're just placing lineups and going out there and doing it. They don't know the, uh, you know, the X's and O's aren't the only thing. It's a ton of logistics and a ton of, um, you know, managing as far as parents go that goes into it. And so it got a little, it gets a little confusing there and gets a little fun and you get a little, uh, Nice little change, I guess. <laughs> so it was fun. It was a really good summer. Our team did fantastic it's, uh, because they were, yeah, I'll tell you what, I've been a part of teams that I've played for and I've coached some teams along the way. I've coached, you know, three Arsenal teams I was really lucky to coach. Uh, I coached uh, with high school teams where I've been an assistant and all of that. And then I've, co- I've obviously played. I played, um, you know, throughout my whole youth and into high school and uh until my senior year was my last year and uh never did i have a team like the one i had this summer where they were locked in you know there wasn't like a whole lot to do we had a very good winter and it led to a very fun summer and we were determined to be a lot different than your your average summer team you know in the terms of we didn't want to just kind of like show up take bp and play ball 
Um, where it got unfortunate was my assistant coach, Tyler Hill, who was at Davenport, he uh, had Tommy John. And I currently still nursing a torn, we don't know, rotator cuff or labrum. And uh, so neither of us could really throw BP. So that was really where things got tangled up. But it was a fun summer, man. I had a blast with those kids. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about them a little bit. A lot of talent from that team. You know, Michigan commit Alfredo Velasquez, Michigan State commit Ryan McKay, Eastern commit Hudson Davenport, Eastern commit Josh McCoy, uh, you know, Matthew Green was tremendous for us this summer and, and for Liggett and uh, their school run. Um, we had all kinds of great players in the team. Abel Gutierrez was, was the best backstop I've ever had. Like, it was just awesome. Like, he's back there and you never have to worry, and it's crazy. He's a kid we should talk about at some point. He's just like a five foot six catcher. Dude, he threw out everyone, I think, but one kid maybe that ran on him this year. Um, for us down in, in, in Georgia, even, he made three diving plays from behind the backstop. He blocked nearly everything that went past him. So he was awesome for us. Um, and we had a bunch of kids that were just great for us this year. Drew Hill uh, had continued his hot streak with his bat. Um, so, yeah, I could go on and on about that team because it was just such a blast. It was the most fun I've had coaching. Um, it's probably going to be the last time I head coach summer ball for a while um, because I've got some plans <clears throat> over the next couple of years here that I'm excited to share at some point. And uh, so, yeah, it was just great, man. I'll, I'll definitely never forget that team. Um, and we did Georgia. We we did Michigan. We did Ohio. We did everything. It was great. Um, it was a good time. I had a blast. And uh, yeah, so moving on to this year, um, we're excited to get things going. I'm assistant coaching the D-backs national team with West Bloomfield's Josh Bernberg as the head coach. And I'm really excited to do that. Um, you know, Minnie comes back and Hudson's playing and got a couple other kids coming over who I'm really, Sebastian Hymas, who's, who's awesome. Abel, who I just mentioned is coming. So it's gonna be a really exciting, uh, really exciting year. Um, just thinking about it. It's a blast because we, you know, it's wintertime and we're so caught up and I think people at home listening can relate. We're so caught up in college football. I mean, the Michigan Wolverines are tremendous, mm, which is a, a right. nice change of pace. Um, my full-time job is, you know, writing about Michigan recruiting. So I've been pretty wrapped up in that. And sometimes you get so wrapped up in it, you forget about how much you love baseball, but then as it gets warmer, you know, that mood starts to change. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. It's, it's good to be back on CWB. It's good to be back rambling about baseball again and, uh, humbly bragging about how lucky you are to have the, the roster that you inherited in a summer program. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was good. It was a really good summer. Um, so as far as fall and winter goes, um, we are approaching camp season, right? So there's going to be some showcases yeah. and, um, there's going to be some, I'm, I'm imagining there's going to be some kids dropping soon because we have like those periods of time where, um, a lot of kids will commit, you know, maybe it's fresh off of yep. X summer, uh, showcase or X summer tournament or it's, and then it starts to become the winter ones. Um, so what are some showcases, I guess, or some things coming up on PG side of things where uh, maybe that might drive some commitments? Is there like some showcases or are you looking at like a period of time where there might be a lot of kids dropping for X reasons? Yeah, there's two in particular that come to mind. Um, one more national, one pertaining to Michigan. But the main event showcase is happening in Fort Myers. It does every year. It's like the 28th through the 30th of December, 28th through the 31st or whatever. It's like every single perfect game employee has to go to that event. Um, it is like the most non-negotiable event ever, like as far as going to it, uh, because there's like over a thousand players. Um you know, spread out on 30 some fields, whatever the hell we use across multiple complexes. And so like that 
is relevant because it's primarily an underclass showcase. Um, it's winter break. Kids from every part of the country come to it. You know, there's been a lot of Michigan kids there over the years. Um, you know, it's it just like that's an event that usually springs springboards a lot of commitments because there's so many players, there's so much talent, and college coaches are bored. Um, and then, you know, the World Showcase happens in January, and that's more like you'll see a lot of uh, uncommitted higher-end like seniors there, and, and it's more of like a, a pro scouting showcase because we're trying to get there, – there's a, there'll be a bunch of international guys there, a um, bunch of guys who are trying to get their name more up on a scout's list heading into the spring. Maybe you didn't have a great fall or something like that, trying to, to put a good taste in the scout's mouth heading into the spring as far as that goes. But then for Michigan – um, the Great Lakes Indoor, which we do in Toledo in February every year, or in Rossford, Toledo area, um, that has quickly become like we only started it in 2016, 2017, maybe. And that has quickly become like where dudes blow up. Like that's where, you know, guys come blow up. Like David Lally blew up there last year. You, you know, like we've seen Alex Mooney there, like Dylan Kark years ago. You, you know, I could go on and on. Like John Malcolm. Uh, you know, oh, uh, Oh, geez. Uh, Jordan Wogu is a Great Lakes indoor alum. But anyways, um, that's a, that's an event that like, you know, that's the one that I would say, like, if you're in Michigan, if you're a high school baseball player, um, see you at Great Lakes indoor. If you know, if you're in shape to play, like I'll always say, don't come to a showcase if you're not 100 percent ready to go. Like there's nothing there's nothing good that comes from that. You look you don't look as good as you want to look. The scouts don't see you as good as you want to be seen. Like there's no value in coming if you're not ready to ready to play. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, like those three uh, specifically main event in, in Great Lakes Indoor, and I know we do one in Pittsburgh. You know, we've had some guys come to that one. Um, there's a big one in St. Louis, but that's a little bit further, obviously. But a- anyways, uh, February is indoor showcase season, and I like kind of like indoor showcase season simply because um, I can drive to to the places. <laughs> like I don't have to get on a plane and go anywhere in, in February. I can just hop in the car, uh, and because it's a lot of northern get ga- northern kids, it's in northern areas. Like it's kind of my neck of the woods. It's my type of players, you know. Like so, I like indoor showcase season, but. Uh, yeah, man. I got you know. Come to Great Lakes Indoor. I'll I'll see you there. I will personally watch you play baseball. Get an absolute guarantee. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Like you talked about with with your guys on the team that that you know you mentioned McKay, you mentioned Fredo. Like the last time we were on the show, those guys were high end uncommitteds. Like these are dudes we knew were going to play D one baseball, et cetera, but had not committed yet. So in the interim, we've seen a shit ton of guys commit from the last time we talked to, to now, you know, that's been six months or whatever, tons of guys have committed. So like, that's been really cool to see. It's something that, you know, you and I having done this can sit back and say like, yes, this is coming. Yes, this is coming, but it's tough on the kids, you know, like they see their buddies committing, like they're impatient, you know, what's going on to be patient, just keep playing. Everybody's going to see you. Don't worry about it. Um, is my advice. But anyways, yeah, I mean, tons of guys committing. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, when we were prefacing that last one, we were talking about how indoor season and just camp season in general, you'll you'll see some kids commit uh, for whatever reason, right? Um, it's just a time when kids are being seen more because right now everyone's either resting or they're, you know, just it's hitting inside. There's no exposure right now really for the most part. Um, and kids are mostly off their training right now. And then February wraps around and you get into that, that camp season again and you get some blow up and then high school wraps around and teams are still 
college teams are still playing. Um, so you don't see too much during, during spring. And then when summer hits, it's just, you know, it's open season and you see Mm. offers left and right. I mean, Fredo was like Correa in uh, Michigan last year. (laughs) He was just, it was like every single day. It got to the point where like, he wasn't even texting me when they were coming in anymore. And I didn't, you know, whatever. I I mean, I did not, I'm not someone that sits there and, you know, harps over that. I don't really, I mean, I don't really care. Uh, but at the same time it was like, Oh, they offered you. And he's like, yeah, like a few days ago. I was like, Oh crap. All right, cool. Good for you, man. Like, you know, I just, at that point it was just like, it was a shrug, you know, and, uh, credit to him. I mean, to be, you know, five, seven and play like you're six, 10, that's, that's the best way I could describe him. And, uh, he deserves it. You know, it's awesome for him. He's going to Michigan, grew up a state fan, which is kind of funny. So I like to give him some slack for that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we saw so many kids drop this summer and it was great. You know, it's another year of, and this is starting to become consistent. This is starting to become an every year thing. It's another year where you see Michigan kids going to bigger schools. If they're going to big schools, it's typically, if they're going in state, it's typically two way big school. Uh, and if they're going anywhere else, um, you know, it's like, okay, there goes another Michigan kid to another big school, uh, where he's going to go, you know, compete, right. Well, you know, in years past we saw them go, but they were typically transferring. Uh, now you're seeing guys like, like Lally's going to be a difference maker at Notre Dame. Alex Mooney is going to be, uh, pff, one of the best players in college baseball at Duke, you know, that's what it seems like at least. So you're starting to see this whole, oh yeah, Michigan baseball is real thing really culminate and uh, become super real, right? I mean, it's been real, but now it's like, it's consistent. It's year in and year out. We're looking at that 2023 class like, whoa, this might be the best class ever. Like this might be one of the best classes we've ever seen. And that's that class is, you know, two years removed, three years removed from Alex Mooney's class, which was an incredible class. Um, so you're starting to see this consistency that Michigan is producing year in and year out. And you're looking at the 23, the 24, the 25 classes, they're all loaded. You know, it just continues to be loaded. Um, you've got the Illich kid coming up and I think the 24 class, maybe the 25, no, a 25 class. And that kid's going to be a stud, uh, already probably going to be a national kind of kid. So, you know, it's just an, another example, I guess, of all these kids going places and we're being like, yeah, like Michigan is becoming not a hot, I don't know if I would call it a hotbed, but I think it's safe to say that this state has cemented itself for the time being for the, for a few years to come at the very least as a top 10 to 12 state in baseball, maybe better. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think you have to first compare regionally before you compare nationally. And like, I, I can't think of, and you know, I'm not like sitting here trying to sound like an arrogant prick, but like I do, I would know. I don't think there's any States within the Midwest that are even close right now. You know, Ohio's good. Like we're not taking anything away from Ohio. Pennsylvania has guys every year. We can go up and down the list, but in terms of like quantity right now, it's Michigan, you know, it, when you think Wisconsin, you think Minnesota, you think what is Iowa, whatever, like it's Michigan right now. So then like that, I think in and of itself is the flex. Like that's the thing that matters because Michigan is never going to compete with Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, Arizona. Like it's just never going to happen. The, the, the literal like physical geography and, and climate, et cetera. Like that's, 
is what's going to impede that. So that's like, it's not a fair comparison. It's like why Lou Nichols III didn't win the Heisman Trophy. It's because he plays at Central Michigan. Like, it's why Dan LaFever didn't win the Heisman. It's because he played at Central Michigan. Like, sorry, that sucks. You know, I, we get it, but that's that's reality. Um, you know, so like, but to be the best in the Midwest, to be like, you know, like we'll take Michigan over the entire, or like maybe not the entire region of New England, but every individual state, you know, something like that. Like that's the flex is like, you know, that's just reality. And, and it's incredible. I just pulled up the PG rankings for 2023. There are 17 power five commits in Michigan in the class of 2023. That's power five. That's not D1. D1, there's something like 25, closer to 30 with more coming. Um, so, you know, like that's a, has that ever happened? Like, are we, can we even, I'm sure I can do the research as far back as PG has ranked guys, but like, has that ever been the case? That's an incredible number. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, like you said, I'm with you. I don't know, like off the top of my head. Um, but you'd have to think that no, or and if it has happened, then it has not been uh, of recent memory. And it's just, it's cool. It's great, man. It's cool to see. And here's the thing, you know, roping back to the summer scene that I, we were talking about earlier, you've really noticed, um, you know, some people call it saturated where you'll see in tournaments and local tournaments and in state, maybe not local, but in state, regional, whatever you want to call it, you'll see some real good teams get beat by a team that's not expected. Because here's the thing with travel baseball in the past, I would say 10 years ago when, you know, I was playing travel ball, there were some games where you were like, that team's going to win and that team is not. And that was it. And then the game was played and that's exactly what happened. And there was not a lot of in state. There was not a lot of, um, you know, what do you call it? There was a very large amount of disparity. We'll put it that way, where the best team was the best team, and everyone else was far behind those that team. You know, it was kind of the Hit Dogs, the Bulls, MSA. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm forgetting, Metro Stars were good. That was pretty much it. But even of those four teams, like you know, the Hit Dogs were kind of running through most of most of the teams by the time 2012, 11 came around, um, and. Mm-hmm. That's changed a lot. You know, you've seen a lot of teams and organizations catch up. Arsenal, um, you've seen the D-backs come in and make some noise and, and do some a lot of good things, especially with their national team. The, obviously, the, some of those traditions are the same. The Hit Dogs are still the player, and the Bulls are still very much so a player. And, uh, and a special shout-out to Frank Gallagher, who unfortunately passed away. had an enormous – you can't put a word on the impact he had on – uh, travel baseball in Michigan, and I'm sure we can talk about that um, at length at some point here soon. Um, but you know, the Bulls and, and all those in-state traditional programs, Diamonds, you know, the Grand Rapids Diamonds, all those teams are still very much so, you know, near the top echelon and, and you know, set the standard. But there's all kinds of other organizations and programs with good players on them that are still making noise, like. The Metro Stars aren't the Metro Stars of the past, but they're still very much so a competitive program that goes and plays regionally and nationally. Um, well, not nationally, but regionally and makes some noise. And, you know, the uh, SWOW. SWOW has a few teams. Uh, I think they're up to like six or seven teams, all competitive, all play really well. Uh, you know, and there's plenty of others. I could go on. There's just a lot of really good teams within travel baseball right now. Are there some low-level, not-so-great teams? Sure, but they're... 
purpose is to give not only every kid who wants to play travel baseball an opportunity to in some capacity, but also, you know, those kids who might want to play lower level college baseball, whether it be high academic division three mm-hmm. baseball or, or whatever it may be. Either way, they're giving themselves the opportunity to play it if they want to by doing that. And it's awesome. It's great. It's just good to see because there is a misconception that you need to play a national schedule through and through. It just has to 100% be six mm-hmm. to seven weeks of national of national schedule, and I I completely disagree. And we are playing for the most part a national schedule this summer, and I'm fine with it. You know, I'm all about it. What would you? We'll, we'll go play the best teams in the country. Let's go do. It. Let's have some fun. But if you're asking me what the point of travel baseball is, it's to at least in Michigan, it's to you know give these kids an opportunity to you know be a part of a team and, and all of that any 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 sort of team experience 110 percent. but outside of that you know the opportunity to be seen by you know certain coaches and certain programs and uh and all of that and i've always 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 uh thought not you know quote unquote if you're good enough they'll see you no i think that's nonsense but i do believe that the vast majority maybe even nine out of ten i would say players from Michigan aren't going to play below the Mason Dixie line. And if they are Mm -hmm. typically they're going to transfer uh, statistically speaking. So the few that do, you know, I wish them luck. And I think that they're going to need, some of them are going to do great and all that, but the majority of them, truthfully speaking, are going to stay up here. And, you know, that's something that uh, Aaron taught me at Arsenal. And I think that that's something that's hundred percent true. And I've always and the point here is the talent in Michigan is not saturated. It's just good. And you went on about how many Power Five commits there are. You want to talk about how many Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, JUCO. You mm-hmm. know more than anybody, and you preach more than anybody that all of those levels matter, and all of those levels have stars. I mean, Josh Hedgeka played at D three Johns Hopkins, and he yep. was up to nearly the pros in the Mets this year. Uh, and he's what? Two who's, years? who's better, Aiden Hutchinson or Josh Hedgeska? I was going to say, Divine Child is yeah. like this uh, super production. And, or Eric Haas. Or Eric Haas. Or Eric Haas. Divine Child's had a <laughs> hell of a year for alumni. Their alumni event this year is going to be, the, the, the auctions are going to be popular. They're going to have Hutch jerseys. They're going to have Haas jerseys. They'll have Hedge jerseys. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, my, my, point, my point with that whole tangent, uh, essentially, is I don't think... And Michigan baseball is saturated. I just think it's good. I think there's a lot of good players. And the difference between the best player in the state and the 25th best player in the state, it's not wide. I remember when I first started coaching and I was looking at the rankings on, you know, PG and all that. And the difference between the top player then and the 25th player was pretty large. You know, and there's some examples, right? Like Alex in 2021 was probably a lot better than a 25th player, right? And, you know, he's kind of an anomaly. Um, but I still think that you can look at these kids right now and see that there's not a huge difference between number one and number 25 or number 10 and number 30 or number 30 and number 50. There's just not a, like, all these kids are good. And therefore, when you're going to in-state or in-region tournaments, no, Auburn's coach is not going to be there. Sorry, Johnny Q. Like, we're not going to see the SEC today. But we're going to see right. someone that's probably more realistic for you and can actually give you an opportunity. And I think that matters more than saying, hey, we want to go play the best teams in the country. If you have a team full of committed kids and you want to go play the best teams, by all means. Um, and, you know, at the D-backs, like I'm fully on board, we're, but we're staying in Michigan for, I think, two or three weeks. 
So like we're doing our due diligence to still participate in state and still participate in the region, um, despite going national. I think four other times we were, we got a busy summer out of us, but um, you know we're doing I think our the best possible schedule where we're we're giving our kids a taste of both. We're like, hey, we're going to stay in Michigan for a couple of weeks. Hey, we're going to go national for four or five too, and uh, you know I think that's the best way to do it if you have the talent to do so. But I think if you if you're not a team that can go down south and you can't spot out any programs below the mason dixie that make a lot of sense or you can't spot any programs that are both unequivocally better than any program north of it that your kid can play for because look man like north carolina state tech at&t whatever you want to call it there's probably a school up north that compares to it that's closer to home yeah. that's cheaper for you to go to that's closer to your parents that's just how I think about it. Um, and that's where I'm kind of at with this whole thing. And I've just heard a lot. I heard a lot of this summer. I heard a lot this fall leading into the scheduling of this summer about how people didn't want to play in Michigan. And I just, I just, I don't know, not even Michigan. It's just like the region in general. I just, I, I vehemently disagree with that like entire take. This, uh, I, there's a lot of winding thoughts in my head. I wanted to, uh, travel baseball in its essence the whole point of it, what it really boils down to, when you strip away all the whatever, the focal point of travel baseball is for the sake of trying to play at the next level. That's that's pretty much what it is. 90% of players you ask, they're saying, yeah, I'm going to try and play at the next level. I need to get seen by coaches, whatever the hell it is. So the point being, your schedule should play to that as a travel baseball organization. If you have if you're the Canes and you have 47 SEC commits on your team, yes, you should play in all the biggest national tournaments in the country. But as a travel program, as a coach, as a whatever, you have to be realistic about things. If you have a team full of players that you as the, as the coach have evaluated to be smaller school, you know, talents, academic talents, whatever the hell it is, then there's no value in, in saying like, well, we need to go play in front of the SEC. No, you need to go play in places that are like, you know, will be exposed to the level of the ability. Like that's the whole point. When, like I said, when you boil it down, it's about getting your players onto the next level. It's about development. It's about relationships. It's about learning how to play all those things. But like, it's really not about winning. It's like when you really think about it, and I'm sure as a coach you'll disagree, and I'm a coach too, and I understand how stupid that sounds, but summer baseball is more about the other things than it's about that thing. Now, winning is great. Everybody wants to win. No one's not trying to win, but would you rather win a tournament with a plastic trophy or get all your kids on to the next level? Because I think the one is more important than the other. So in that sense, like I said, you have to be honest with yourself as a coach, as an evaluator. You have to be honest with the parents. You have to be honest with the players. We have to be realistic. We, we said the word realistic 87 times in the season last year talking about uh, recruiting. You have to be realistic, and that's where the different levels and locales of these tournaments come into play. Like That's what the reality is. Um, and, and I know like some of that, is, I, I don't, I wouldn't think that that was a harsh truth. I just, you know, like I, I know that that was said in a way that's maybe not said all the time, but it, it, that's, that's it. Like, that's it. The point is to get your players to play at the next level for the majority of people who play summer baseball. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying don't shoot for the stars. Like, Hey man, have goals and like, no. do your very best. But at the same time, it's like, what's attainable? Um, how much how much is it going to harm you to put all your eggs in X basket? Because, you know, 
coaches have jobs and a lot of their job depends on who they bring in. And if you are thinking that this school is only offering you, I mean, you're wrong. Like they're, they're making their rounds trying to see who they can grab. So if you're stuck on X school, that's in X conference, but the other school, which is in X conference is, is a lesser, maybe not a power five conference, or maybe it's division two instead of division one or whatever the case may be hold, making them hold out while you wait for, the girl you've been flirting with for a few months to finally pick up the phone when you call, you know, it's one of those things where you have to be, like you said, realistic. And, you know, that might be hard to hear or whatever it may be, but it's, it's real, man. It's, 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 it's real. It's it's a really real thing. And like I said, it can be a kid settling on a, not, I wouldn't say settling, but a kid ending up deciding on a big E school, even though he was dead set on a big 10 school. Or it could be a kid who was dead set on an SEC school, but he ends up going to a Big Ten school. And then where it really gets interesting is you have kids who are getting 10% from an SEC, 15% from an SEC, but 80% from the Big Ten, which I think is a no-brainer in in the grand realm of things, but crazier things have happened. So I think it just kind of all boils down to, like you said, just being realistic, just to simplify it. Simplifying it all is just be realistic. Just chase attainable things. Don't, Don't cancel your goals out for it. Um, you know, I know that ESPN will run stories on, oh, Aiden Hutchinson wrote down in a sheet of loose leaf paper when he was eight years old that he wanted to play at Michigan. Well, Aiden Hutchinson is six foot six and a half with a wingspan larger <laughs> than both of us combined and just broke the record for sacks at Michigan and pressured CJ Stroud 15 times in a single game. So it's a little bit different. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically my mom still has a, you know, a school thing I wrote when I was 10 where I said I was going to take over at shortstop for Derek Jeter when he retired. <laughs> um, so, and now I'm, now I'm a baseball scout. So now you're you know. giving, now you're giving lessons on how to be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the point being, um, that's all good and all, but, but, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is different than us, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd qualify that guy as a human being anymore. Uh, so, yeah, all right, guy's we've, different. We've, <laughs> we've we've done the classic cold weather bats, uh, you know, rundown of rambling and finding things to harp on, and that's what we do best. That's why the show exists. So, I want to wrap up here with something that's probably going to put you on the spot a bit. So, I'm going to go first just to give you time to uh, prepare yourself. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick three players from the 22 class and three players from the 23 class um, who I liked a lot this year, whether it be high school or um, summer season that just kind of like stood out to me, impressed me. Um, You know, I'm going to leave the obvious one out of it in 22. Like obviously Brock Porter, Nolan Schubert and Ike Irish, three-year boys are like the most known players in Michigan probably this year, which is no shock after yep. Alex was last year. Um, and we don't have to get into the whole Orchard Lake is a factory thing just yet. We'll save that for like episode six of season two. Um, but Yeah, we can wait. Yeah. But, you know, if you're picking out three guys from the 22 class and it's not Brock, Nolan, and Ike, then you're probably picking out, um, you know, three different players. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, those are the three, in my opinion, those are the three best players in the class. Uh, I think Lally is right there too. I think Chapansky's right there. Um, I love DC because DC's my boy, uh, Donovan Canterbury. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of kids in this class who are good. This is a deep class as well. 23 classes deeper, um, but this is still a very good class. If I'm, so I'm picking outside of those three. Um, I'm probably, you know, who I've seen this, this year, who I've watched, haven't watched, did not watch Tommy Gunn this year. Um, didn't get a chance to. Um, I did not see 
Who did I not see? I didn't. Well, don't name all the damn players. Yeah, just pick your three. Yeah, you're right. All right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Lally, damn. I love. I mean, Lally was gross this year, um, especially in his game against Brother Rice. So that was just like. Look, I mean, he had a ton of offensive output that was making it easy for him to go out there and chuck with confidence. But David Lally has confidence pretty much in any setting. And his stuff was working that day. It was working well. Um, And, you know, Grand Blank had this historic run. And it's hilarious because you, of all people, had to be the one that... (laughs) That could take credit for calling that one out, and you didn't. I'll give you credit. You did. You just let you let them have it, and you never really <laughs> mentioned it. But we, it's it goes without saying that you were the one that picked them, and they had a roller coaster of a season. We remember how hot they were, how cold they were, how hot they were. But they got they peaked at the right time, and uh, David Lally is, is, deserves a lot of credit for it. So past him, um, of course, I, of course, I got to mention Donovan Canterbury. How couldn't I? Um, he, you know, he dedicated himself to the weight room last year, and it paid off uh, tenfold. He's done it again this year, so I think he's going to put a few over uh the fence for Wyandotte this year um you know he's going he just signed with Xavier as a shortstop as a position player expect him to make an early impact there I don't know if it's going to be year one but it should be sooner than later you know a kid with that glove with that speed and with that kind of you know one two hole eight nine hole type of bat early on uh it's hard to keep him off he's a really I mean the contact tool is there um and the hands are there so Love DC. And then as far as my third, because I know who you were going to pick and I don't want to pick him because I don't want to take him from you. I absolutely was taken back this year by Caleb Sanders. He was Mm -hmm. tremendous. Um, And like we said, we don't want to name them all. There's a ton of kids who can, you know, go there, but he was a kid I saw this year right in front of my eyes uh, when we were at South in a doubleheader. And I think he had four or five doubles in like, nine or 10 RBIs or something on the day. I mean, he was just, it was a cheat code. I mean, the kid was like a creative player on that day. And, uh, I heard that that kind of continued throughout the year and he's a big, big game player as well. He's committed to Dayton. I think Dayton got a freaking steal. I mean, I don't hear about Dayton very often in Michigan. Mm. So you're going to know the state of that program better than I will. Um, but that's, I mean, that kid could be a Wolverine. He could be a Spartan. He could be, a Hoosier, he could be anywhere in the Big Ten, in my opinion, based on what I've seen from the kids who are going to the Big Ten in the similar position. So those are the three I'll go with in 22, uh, and I'll let you go with 22 now, and then we'll wrap up with 23. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm going to start... Well, I hadn't seen Wyatt Danilowitz until this summer, until this fall, really. Um, so I was excited to see that, excited to scout it, and I liked it. So, you know, I'm going to start there. It's a physical lefty. He can really spin the shit out of the breaking ball. Uh, you know, he's got some some fastball components, some traits working in his favor. It's it's a good arm. Um, he sprays it a little bit. You know, he's still kind of honing that fastball command. But uh, I, I like the ingredients there. I like the the bat miss capabilities. I think that's a guy who's, um, whose upside is pretty high. Uh, just the ability to miss bats, like I said. Um, I am going to take an eaglet. Uh, I think that the three you mentioned get talked about enough. Um, They'll be talked about plenty moving forward. Um, I'm going to talk about Jack Crichton. I don't think that he... He's not, you know, like as famous as the other three. He didn't hit 15 pumps like Dresselhouse did, so he doesn't have the the counting stats. But, like, scouting is projection. You know, scouting is deciding what guys are going to be when they're 25 and older or, you know, whatever. And, like... You know, Crichton is, he's a pretty, like, rare athlete. 
in the the combination of like biomechanic grading, twitch, uh, body control, projection. It, like he's a pretty rare athlete, and so the the projection there on him is is I think it's absurd. I think he's going to hit for a ton of power. He's already a really good athlete. Like I said, he can play everywhere. He does nothing but find the barrel. Like I think that's a guy that um, you know after three years at Michigan, like that's that's going to be a dude, like a draft dude, I think. Like, I'm I'm in on that. I've been saying, you know, it's not like new for me to say that. But uh, um, so I wanted to talk about JC. And then, I mean, we we had him on the show. Um, the one dude to beat St. Mary's, Liam Yelzma, impressed the hell out of me. So I'm going to talk about him a little bit more. I, I looked up his, uh, his Twitter profile. I see he's committed to Adrian College. So that is fantastic. Um, you know, I obviously... It, <laughs> I, dude shut down St. Mary's, man. He shoved it. So I, I have to mention that guy. I can really pitch, physical lefty, like bunch of pitches for strikes like we talk about. Um, you know, congratulations to him. I'm, I'm happy for him. That's uh, So those are my three, man. You want to go to 23? Yeah, let's take it to uh, to 23. And this is, uh, this is the class I think we're going to be talking about for some years uh, because it's just deep. Um, I mean, shoot, Ryan McKay is – maybe a top 20 player in this class, according to a couple of the rankings that I'm looking at. There's a couple different websites I'm looking at right now. And Minnie was um, possibly the best hitter in, as far as like consistency goes and uh, in Michigan, in his class, I would say. I think he's probably the best pure, hit, pure hitting guy in, in his class, or at least one of a couple. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with Ryan McKay, which is an Orchard Lake kid. Sure. But he's, that's my boy. I mean, I've known that kid. And since he was 13, 14 years old, I watched him completely transform his body. He texted me. I don't know when he texted me this. It was either after the summer or after he committed, he committed to Michigan state, um, earlier this fall. So a little update there for those who don't know. Um, but I don't know if he told me after he committed or if it was after the summer, but he said, you know, we had a conversation because he was on my team for two years. This will be our third year together. His first year, he was in the car with me. I think we were driving from like Top Golf, where we had gone after a game, uh, and I was taking him back to the team hotel with a couple of the other kids. And he asked me what he needed to do. Maybe it was a phone call. I don't know the details. All I know is he asked me some things he needed to do. Like what was something? Because look, Minnie was like five three or four or five or five, five or whatever. And he was, you know, he's going to hate me for this and that's fine. He's a little chubby. The, the body wasn't there at all. And he was just, you know, what do I need to do? I'm like, well, Minnie, you got, you got some of the best, softest, most sure hands of any infielder I've seen. You hit the living hell out of the ball from the left side. And despite your size, if, if I were to show someone a video of you and it, like it just eliminated your um, body, like you would be, getting calls left and right. Uh, so I told him, you know, and he, he accounted this to me. He was like, you know, you, you, you told me to transform my body. That's exactly what he did. And we talked, I don't know if we talked about it at all during the show last season, but I mean, the kid went from five, six or five, five and, you know, not fit to like five, eight, five, nine, five, ten, like in that range. And like, kind of jacked like i don't want to sit here and say the kid's like shredded by any means but i mean now he's got like way more of a dan ugla look than a prince fielder look and it's uh not that he ever looked like prince fielder that's an over exaggeration for anyone that knows him is laughing right now and those who don't don't think that he actually looked like that at some point um but no that would be that would be my body comp yeah yeah, yeah. 
the Prince Fielder. Yeah, that's good comp. Yeah. Oh, geez. So, you know, Mini is just, <laughs> I love telling Mini's story. I think I'll tell Mini's story to teams like five, 10 years from now um, because he is a kid who said, what do I need to do? Okay, did it, committed to Michigan State a year later. You know, that's, those are the stories you tell, man, because, you know, you look at a kid, you show him a picture of Mini a year ago, you show him a picture a year later, and it's just awesome. So, yeah, definitely got to go with Mini. He was awesome for us this summer um him and fredo went back to back home runs in, the, in an opener of a tournament and that was a lot of fun that was one of the most fun games i've been around um okay so moving on from there uh i really liked what i saw this year from jonah saint antoine who ended up committing to Pitt. he's out of forest hills northern which was one of those schools that last season was floating in and out of the super 25 and we were like, hey, we don't know a whole lot about this school, but they continue to win ball games and they continue to play really well. Uh, they're a team that everyone's been telling us to keep an eye on. Well, found, you know, come to find out, they've got a heck of a shortstop who's committed to Pitt as a junior now in St. Antoine. And he's a you know, smooth swinging, sweet swinging lefty with a good arm from short. Um, you know, he's got the, he's got the look, you know, he's got the flow, uh, the armbands and all he looks the part, you know, and he's a lot of fun to pull, to watch play. Cause he's a smooth criminal and, uh, he just impressed me this year. And then he's, uh, we're lucky enough to have him in the organization at the D backs, which is a sweet, he's playing with Steve Avery's team, which is a great team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would really liked what I saw from him this year. And then lastly, man, who should I go with last? Oh man, there's no way I can't say this. Adrian Epps. Um, I don't think this is a kid who's going to go like down south and play in the SEC. Um, you know, he's a kid who's probably going to stay around here regionally and play some really good baseball. I think he's f- incredible in the outfield defensively, just like absurd. And uh, we were playing in the Arsenal Classic and in the semifinal, insanely rainy day. Dirt was like just completely mud. It was at Brother Ice's field, so the turf wasn't even nice. The outfield grass was crazy. So Fredo and Marcus Patton, who I should mention Marcus Patton for 2022 because he went yard off Josh Klug and then went yard off Sam Schaefer in the same game. Two incredible arms. So shout out to Marcus Patton. Can't leave him out. Um, but either way, those two... Um, oh, jeez, Brian, I lost my... F- I lost my steps. Those two hit a ball to right center field (laughs) and it looked like it was going to hit the scoreboard at brother rice, but Adrian Epps full extension dives and catches one. And then Willie Mays is the other in the same game. The bulls, (laughs) the bulls just gave us every inch of it that game and murdered us. We lost, I think 10 to one or something like that. It was like the worst game we had all year, but we didn't play bad necessarily. Defensively, we played like absolute crap. That's, that's another story. Offensively, we sprayed the ball. Adrian and his, the rest of those kids on that team just, freaking stopped everything and but adrian was incredible that game um you know two diving catches he tracked down everything out there he was a huge leader for them so yeah i liked i liked what i saw out of adrian this year you know high energy um leadership to to uh to the highest degree um incredible defensively uh a slap hitter at the plate who's going to beat you with his speed um but that line drive tool is coming along and we're excited we have him on d-backs this year i'm really excited to coach that kid he's just a lot of fun to play against and always it was actually it was hard to play against because you can't really uh you can't really scheme against teams that are going to run down everything right it's like okay let's find some gaps well mm-hmm. those gaps don't exist so yeah those are my three so mini and uh adrian and uh Jonah St. Antoine. So what say you? Um, all right. Well, I'm going to start at the top just because I'm, I'm a big Jaron Purify fan. Uh, he's the guy we have ranked number one in the class in 23, uh, in Michigan. Um, I just like, I, it's hard to, 
impress this upon people sometimes, but like the the phrase he can he can stick it short or yeah he can play short is thrown around just just so too much because like you really don't know what you're talking about like there are it is so hard to play a good shortstop at the D1 level and it is effing impossible to play a good shortstop at the big league level so like chances are no he can't I happen to think that Jaron Purify is as sure as shit a shortstop as we have, uh, you know, at 23 or, you know, maybe even nationally. I don't know that class super well yet, but um, dudes who can play short like that, make it look as smooth as he does with the actions that he has and the athleticism he has and the body control that he has and the footwork that he has. It's like, um, it's a rarity. You know, a, a lot of times you see a team put their best athlete at short and because he's a good athlete or he has a strong arm or, or whatever, oh, he can play shortstop. Jaron Purify can f- play shortstop pardon my bomb um i think he's got a chance to hit there's power coming like i'm a i'm a big fan i, I think he's gonna have uh he's gonna be seen by everybody with the indiana bulls next summer I, he's gonna be really good um firm believer there um hearkening back to let's see um 23 man like i don't see a lot of underclassmen as you know so i'm, I'm shooting it back to the spring uh, mostly from my thoughts here. Uh, we didn't talk about Drew Hill. Um, I, you know, you told me he had a good summer with you guys. How can uh, we not? How can you we know, not? Continues to hit. You know, continues to hit. Continues to pitch well. Like two way guy who who I think can do both at the next level, depending on what that level is. Um, you know, I, he was impressive in the spring. Like I said, hit that bomb at St. Mary's. Uh, it's I like it. I think he's a good player. Um, looking forward to seeing him again in the spring. Um, and then for my last one, geez, who did I see even? Because I, like I said, man, 16 UWBA, I was down at PG National, so I didn't see that. I don't go to PG World Series because it's in um, Orlando, and we have 19 people who live there, so there's no need. Um, all right, I'm going to go with a guy that I had underrated prior to this past calendar year who... I like better than I used to. And that's Jacob Brown um, from Father Gabriel Richard. I underrated him as an athlete and as a hitter. Um, always knew he had arm strength. Always knew he had right-handed power. You know, um, just, you know, like I didn't think he was a bad player or anything like that. I just like him better than I thought I did. Um, guy who can put bat to ball. He's strong. The power's there. Um Probably a third baseman long-term because he's just going to get bigger because he's, he's already a big kid. He's just going to get bigger, but it's going to be power. Uh, he's got a cannon. You know, there, there's something there on the mound, too, if you wanted to. Um, but, yeah, I think that Jacob Brown's a really good player. He's a guy who I'm higher on than I was at this time last year. Well, all right. Well, with all, yeah, I mean, Jacob Brown was another kid. It's excellent. Um, I like that pick. And so with that, with all of that, with all 54 minutes of that, uh, welcome back to cold weather freaking bats because I can handle myself, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I had to really impress the point there, you know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, shoot. With that being said, I guess I guess this is the first a- uh, outro of season two. We appreciate you tuning in and coming back to listen despite the little hiatus. Uh, expect, I mean, I would like to do this for the 
considerable future. And if so, to keep it sustainable, we're probably going to take similar hiatuses each year because we do have to, you know, uh, commit to our jobs more than this, despite the excitement and the fun that this brings us. Um, and hopefully all of you. So with all that being said, we appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you, uh, hopefully subscribing and leaving a five-star review on the show uh you can follow us on twitter and instagram at cold weather bats you can follow uh, brian at is it b sikowski underscore pg b underscore sikowski underscore pg that double underscore baby yeah i'm unique like that yeah and then you can follow me at coach underscore b justice so we appreciate you guys uh keeping with us uh, all the fans i mean there's a few people we could probably shout out um Shout out to Buchanan Baseball, which made the run that everyone said they were going to for a while there, which was great. We love Buchanan. Um, We did not know much about them until this show, and this show has showed us the beauty of it and beauty of many other things. And uh, we look forward to delivering some more episodes going in and through the spring season. So for Brian and for Cold Weather Bats, this is Brandon Justice, and we look forward to talking to you next week. 